everyone. Welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. Hopefully, hopefully, audio issue free edition. Can you hear us? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Uh, Matt and I are both back here in studio and uh, on the right inputs on the microphones and everything. So hopefully we're going to do okay. No ropey Skype, nothing. Uh, I appreciate you guys' patience over the last couple episodes. I know it can be a little frustrating. Believe me, it's a lot of very frustrating for me uh, when uh, when you realize that you've done something like that on the on the microphone. There, I'm just glad I'm I'm out of the can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it kind of sounded like. It was a little little scary. Uh, real quick, some housekeeping here. Uh, of course, usual the contact stuff hasn't changed. Timeshifterspodcast at gmail dot com is a great way to get a hold of us. Um, which reminds me, we do have a couple emails from listener Floyd, who you saw uh, or saw didn't see you heard last uh, last episode. Uh, of course, the other ways you can get a hold of us is uh, Twitter. You can tweet us uh, at TimeshiftersPod and at Movies at the Mat. And we do have a Facebook group. Just go to Facebook.com slash groups slash Timeshifters. Is it Timeshifter? Yes, I think so. <laughs> do you know your site? <laughs> well, no, I have a, I have a link. You know, I just have a shortcut. I, I know, you know it just clicks right over. I think that'll, uh, that's about it for the contact stuff. There is some uh, new stuff that I did want to mention. One old thing that I just haven't mentioned before, if you go to timeshifterspodcast.com and click over to the interview archive tab, you get a chance to uh, see and listen to a lot of awesome interviews that uh, I and the you know, former team of the podcast have done over the years. I've uh, collected them all and put them on the uh, on the site so you can go through and check them out. There's some really good stuff. Uh, we're all really proud of them. That's, that's why I mention it because I, I haven't before. I've been a little negligent. Um, I The last one I did was, you probably heard the Tracy Bird's always on there too, but then you go back from there for, for a few years and we got yeah, everybody from you can think of from just about every franchise you can think of that we've come across on conventions there gaming conventions sci-fi conventions comic book conventions they're all on there some are video some are audio uh, the quality on some of those can be a little ropey sometimes too <laughs> but there's still a lot of good there somewhere over the phone but i did what i just thought of that today that i haven't mentioned it so i just thought i'd, uh, I'd bring that up and encourage you to go check those out some of those predate time shifters. They come from uh, previous versions of the website and uh, podcast. So when you hear people say uh, John Jeanette, uh, you'll know that it's it really was us, but it was just a you know something that we did a long time ago. Yeah, I checked that out. You did a great interview with Sam Whitweir. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, that I knew really him from cool. being human. I think you probably from uh, with the uh, the Star Wars video game. Star Wars, Dexter. Um, he was on Smallville a little bit. Um, and I also follow him on Twitter. He does like random uh, old gaming live streams with friends of oh, his. Cool. He's really funny. Oh, nice. So when I saw you did that interview, I was like, oh, yeah. Jealous. Yeah, that was a big thrill. He was, I mean, like I said, I knew him from the sci-fi channels being human. I was a big fan of him from that. And so, uh, yeah, if when he shows up, I, every now and again, I'll, he'll uh, do guest stars on some other series and stuff. And I'm yeah. always kind of excited when I see his name pop up. So I, he was a lot of fun to talk to. Uh, he was fun to, to interview and off camera or whatever. Yeah, he was a, you know, a fun guy and yeah. he was yeah. real easy going and uh, enjoyed being there and gave us the time. And it was, it was really awesome. And that was an in-person interview. You yes. Did. Uh -huh. Yeah. That was on yeah. video. So you can, you can see him and, uh, 
So that was uh, that was out at the uh, Denver Star Fest, and that was you know one of the big things about Denver Star Fest is they really gave us some awesome access to the guests. I mean, they gave us a room that we could yeah. set the stuff up, and <laughs> it wasn't in the middle of the yeah, hall. Exactly, <laughs> it didn't have the crowd milling around, and we weren't just you know trying to get that. Oh, quick! There's no one in line. Go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, they actually came to us. That was really so. The those interviews are the best interviews. The ones from the Starfest. Are the best interviews you're going to find, I think, on that on that site. We had a lot of fun with those. Something new uh, that I just did. Uh, if you go to T Public and search for Time Shifters, we've got some uh, merchandise. If you uh, need yet another T-shirt, because I know all of you probably have tons of them, but if you need yet another one, you can get one with our logo plastered on the front of it. You can also get some stickers or mugs, uh, more things. I'm sure you've got plenty of. But if you need just one more. <laughs> Always need another sticker. Absolutely, you put it on your laptop. You can put it. You can put it on your car. I actually had a uh, sticker from another podcast on the previous car. Had it on there for a couple months, and it seemed to be wearing okay. So, they are printed on vinyl, but I, I'm guessing they're just literally surface printed. I don't know longevity wise how long it's going to last. We'll see. <laughs> the previous car it was kind of protected from the elements a little bit, so that might have helped, but. But anyway, but there's T-shirts. Uh, I ordered a couple. Uh, they are you know, seem like they're really good quality. Um, the extra large runs a little smaller than the extra larges I'm used to. Um, still fits comfortably, but it's just not as I, I know I've put on a little weight here recently, but not that much. <laughs> I'll help you show off the guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm at that size where a large feels like I'm wearing a muscle shirt. <laughs> and so I always buy the extra large because it just feels a little bit more comfortable. This one is like somewhere in between. <laughs> okay. But uh, you'll see uh, the Time Shifters logo and also from my other podcast, Orphan Orphaned Entertainment. There we have a logo for a sticker and T-shirt and merchandise there as well. So if you feel so inclined, go and uh, maybe make some purchases. Tee Public always has some sales. They're not terribly expensive anyway, but they're always having sales. You can usually grab a T-shirt for like 14 bucks plus shipping, so that's not too bad. And then if you do, a small percentage of that does come back to us to kind of will help offset uh, hosting fees and uh, purchasing equipment. And I can't imagine why we might need new equipment. <laughs> <laughs> it's all worked out so well. <laughs> But uh, so th that is there. There's um, if you go to the Facebook group, uh, you'll see some links to it. And I get, I'll need to add a, a link to it on the uh, on the Time Shifters podcast uh, website. I haven't have not done that yet. It's still fairly new. I'm still getting things. I think I'm going to add a couple if I think of and as I design them, uh, some other versions of the logos or something like that. I may throw up there too, and then you'll have uh, some choices. But uh, yeah, that, that's about it. Think, uh, we got some news, some new stuff that has come up. We got the Infinity War trailer, the Avengers yep. Infinity War that just premiered. It would have been, well, by the time you hear this, it'll be about three weeks old, but did watch it. I have to admit, a part. I mean, Marvel's done it right so far recently, but there's still a part of me that looks at this and thinks of X-Men 3. Mm. The Last Stand, where it was just kind of like, okay, how many Mar you know mutants can we fit in? yeah. I could see yeah. that. Um, I think the one thing I'll counter with that is it's the Russo brothers. Since they're directing and they did um, Civil War, and you never really felt like any hero got neglected. You didn't feel like they were stuffed in. You felt like every single extra hero that ended up in that movie had their moment, had at least one good scene. But I think really all had like two or three mm -hmm. good scenes. 
and you never felt like it was this overstuffed thing. You felt like it was a culmination of all of these characters who needed to be there. They all had something to say. They had something to bring. And so I think that was kind of like their test run of, okay, we have this many characters to work with, and it's a lot. Now we're going to double it? <laughs> it's like, you guys can pull it off. You pulled it off once. You could probably do it again. We'll see. Like I said, I mean, recently they've they've done right, and I, I don't think that they're going to. Hopefully, they're not going to drop the ball with this one because this is kind of the one everyone's kind of been waiting for. Yeah, yeah. this is kind of the whole point. Yeah, every, to everything, everything that's has, come before. Everything has led up to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. It looked. It looks really cool. Um, Thanos. He needs his hat. He needs his, he needs his he helmet. Needs his helmet. Yeah, <laughs> it looks strange. I like the it. memes that have been floating around. They've put. I've seen Bruce Willis yep. uh, on the there. Beret. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They've uh, they've had some fun with that. Uh, people have, of course, uh, also uh, brought up the um, go back to X Men, going back to the goofy look of uh, oh, what was the uh, the villain that everyone uh, thought looked like a uh, Power Rangers villain? When was, was it the purple. Juggernaut? Um, no. No, I can't think of the one. The it was the Egyptian, the first mutant. Um, oh, um, blank, apocalypse! Apocalypse! Thank you. Yeah, I was completely blanking on the name. Yeah, he looked like uh, Ivan Ooze bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's been a few a uh, few digs on Thanos uh, on that vein too. So. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. I'm sure, and maybe it'll look better on the big screen. <laughs> So anything else going on? Yeah, for me, um, my wife backed this Kickstarter and got this card game. Um, it's a movie-related card game. It was created by Carolyn Maine. Okay. You can find out more about the game, and she's hilarious. Uh, you can find her on Twitter, at Carolyn Maine, um, C-A-R-O-L-Y-N-M-A-I-N. Okay. I'll and, have the link in the show notes. Yes, her, and the name of the game is Pitch Please. <laughs> and so it's a it's a multi person card game. Uh, you you know as many people as you like can play at once. Um, the rules describe basically to have like at least three people, mm-hmm. one person being the judge or the studio, gotcha. and the other two people being the people who want to pitch their movie. Nice. So you are given five random cards. I'll give you five random cards right. right now. I've got them. They and are these are, these very, are your very cool cards with some pretty cool artwork on them. Yeah, they're very funny. Um, she's got a very dirty mind, which I love about her. <laughs> um, and so these are kind of like your main key points to a movie, and you have to pick three. So okay, through your five cards, you would have to pick three. So what are your five topics? Okay, what what's the oh okay, that's the front and this is the back. Five topics. I've got extremely hot, extremely clumsy, director's fetish, fall down, go boom, <laughs> high stakes game of chance, and product placement. Okay, so you would pick any three. Mm-hmm. And then what I would do is I would look at being the, the studio or the judge, I would look at this card, which has all of the different genres. That I can pick from. Okay, I'm picking three. You said yes. Okay, so, three. knowing you, I'm gonna go with. Uh, let's just let's do a sci-fi. You have to create a sci-fi movie, oh, and you okay. have and you have 60 seconds. Oh. To pitch your movie, touch on all three of those points, and keep it within the sci-fi genre. And you can go as detailed as you want. If you want a director, if you want to tell me who your star is. You would do that, and then your opponent would have to do the same thing, and then the, me, the studio, can then ask a couple of follow-up questions of like, okay, well, you know, what's your budget, or uh, where are you setting it, and you've got to answer quickly, and then I can stop you, and then I decide whose movie's getting made. Okay, all right. So what three did you pick, and what sci-fi movie do you uh, want to make? All right, all right. <laughs> 
I picked high stakes, game of chance, product placement, and fall down, go boom. Okay. 60 seconds on the clock. <laughs> yeah, thanks for giving me some warmth, some time. <laughs> <laughs> Completely unrehearsed, unprepared. All right, and I tell you when you're at the halfway mark. Okay, all right. All right, you ready? Sure. Go. All right, in a post-apocalyptic world where society is ruled by a game of Russian roulette, let's say, and uh, the only weapons are, of course, uh, ancient weapons uh, built by, like, Smith & Wesson. So there's product your, placement. your product placement. Uh, and also, the high-stake games of chance. Cool. It's, uh, it's, it, oh, uh, because it's... Uh, that game that I just said, Russian roulette. Uh, our star, let's say uh, midpoint. Okay, uh, <laughs> our star, Tom Cruise, of course, <laughs> finds himself charged uh, uh, wrongly and has to uh, go against uh, oh, Bruce Willis, okay, who's, who's the, the the champion. And uh, unfortunately, however, uh, man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, <laughs> you got seven seconds. <laughs> But there's a misfire. The both guns explode and uh, fall down. Go boom. You fall down. Go boom. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what kind of budget would you want for this movie? Uh, well, let's see. We got Tom Cruise and Bruce Willis. So that's got a lot of money right there. So you got to have uh, what's a good budget these days? Uh, I, I say this is going to be a big uh, hundred million dollar movie. That's what I think. Yeah, I think that's on the lower end of the high high budget. I think probably, you're looking at hundred fifty, well, hundred seventy five. Okay, this will be like a. Uh, this will be sort of like a mid-range, or it'll be like a uh, independent movies that isn't. Okay, <laughs> I see. Okay, who's your independent director given a chance? So who's that? your director? Uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Like uh, from what we do in the shadows and the and Thor. Um, You're gonna have to tell me. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> Studio's not helping you out. <laughs> uh, can't think of his name. I have to look it up. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. I just know what it I is. I know how to pronounce it if I can think of it. <laughs> What what Taya? Yeah, I don't know how to say his name. I've never heard him say it, so I don't want to. Yeah, I know how I've heard other people say it. So let me put it, let me put it that way. As far as do I know how to say it? I know I've heard other people say it, and it sounds right. Taika Watiti is how I've heard. it, I think. All right. So there you go. Give it to him. Okay. This is this movie's got to have a little bit of humor, but it's got to sure. be you know, got to have some good action and. Uh, Maybe some some themes in there. Tom so. Cruise against Bruce Willis. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> You're greenlit. Okay. <laughs> Mostly because you've gone up against nobody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's definitely a game where you need a you need a, opponents. Yeah, so that's pitch, please. I absolutely recommend checking it out. It's hilarious. It 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 brings some good laughs. Um, I actually haven't had a chance to play it in a room of people yet but my wife and i just practice a little bit here and there and uh it's 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 really hilarious that is pretty funny uh yeah at least <laughs> if you're gonna play it warn the people before you start playing what they have to do when they before they sit down <laughs> it's so much more fun though to put somebody in the hot seat <laughs> just like a studio does <laughs> yeah that's true good point all right. Well, I think with that, we will take a short break for a little promo. And when we get back, we decided we'd um, talk a little bit about something that's come up a little bit uh, as we've discussed some other films, talking about um, major motion pictures that have been based on TV programs. So when we get back, we'll talk about that some.
tuning into Sci-Fi TV. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Brent Barrett. I'm Kevin Batchelder. I'm Wendy Hembrock. The viewer's guide to genre television. Welcome, everyone, to a special Supernatural-focused bonus Hello, everyone, show. and welcome to The Fae Files. A family of podcasts for the genre-loving television viewer. Welcome to Saturday Bee Movie Reel. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Study welcome Group. Welcome to the top genre characters of all time countdown. And tonight, we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones Season 3. Find us at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com. And actually, I lied. We come, we're back, and I forgot about Floyd's emails. Oh. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and do those now. He's out there going, what about my emails? <laughs> <laughs> All right. These are in response to our last uh, horror uh, episodes. Uh, well, our first one, I guess, actually, because these came in uh, just after, I think, uh, um, we recorded the episode two. I, I don't we'll, – we'll find out. I'll, it's been a while since I've read these. Uh, his first uh, from part one said, I found a horror episode to be horribly horrific in the most horrendous way. Haha, ha, just kidding. <laughs> I agree with you about The Shining. Never did care too much for it. I also didn't really care for Pet Cemetery. I thought the man in it was an idiot. Cat gets buried and rises evil. Son gets buried and rises evil. So let's try it again with the wife. Maybe it'll be different. <laughs> <laughs> Third time's the charm. Yeah. Uh, for me, a good horror film was one that builds the tension on what isn't seen. I thought Signs did a good job with that until they actually showed one of the alien creatures. I never got around to Signs, actually. Although I have to admit that seeing its reflection in a TV screen gave me a start. I like movies that keep me guessing. I don't like the ones where music builds up until the scare pops out. Another thing I don't like is when the character has a fright after a tense moment and it was something non-consequential, like a cat. Yep. <laughs> The character laughs, turns, and wham! There's the protagonist. Oh, didn't see that coming. Oh, so he doesn't like when there's like the, the, the false fake. scare led by the real scare. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned Duel, one of my favorite films. Spielberg had a truck tryout for it. He chose the truck he did because he wanted a truck with a face. And Dennis Weaver did a masterful job of portraying the everyday guy who finds himself in an unbelievable situation. I remember cheering for his car to make it over the hill as it was yeah. overheating. One of the most memorable scenes for me is when you see a shot of him driving and he suddenly turns and skids to a stop. The camera zooms out to under the truck. It was such a good film. Many years ago when I was in college, they did a limited theatrical release of it, so I got to see it on the big screen. Oh, that nice. would have been very cool. Yeah, I need to go back. I've been meaning to go back and revisit that since we talked about it and brought it up. I haven't seen that in ages, and I'd yeah. like to see it again. Yeah, I like what he mentioned about like the face of the truck. I forgot about that because, yeah, mm. Spielberg did want that because that grill, he's, mm -hmm. there's that big, thick grill right on the front of that truck, and it, it just looks like these teeth coming at you. Yeah, cool. All right, uh, Floyd has another follow-up email. Now, this one, I'm not sure if this is followed up after our part two. Uh, I didn't check the dates here. Um, Matt doesn't like Alien? Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess everyone is entitled to their own opinion, no matter how twisted it may be. <laughs> I am, of course, just joking. Like Chris, I never had a problem with how the crew reacted to this situation and thought they were very believable. Uh, he says, my wife is a nurse, and I'm a web and iOS developer, so it gets very interesting when we're watching shows depicting medical and or technological things. Many times she has said they wouldn't do that for something medical, and for something technological, I'll say that's not possible, or it doesn't <laughs> work like that. Every once in a while they get it right, but it's very rare. Uh, for found footage movies, I too have often wondered why they just didn't drop the camera and run. I'm also amazed at the battery life of these devices. And sometimes the camera angle doesn't make sense. 
Although he says there was a film about kids acquiring superpowers and their camera angles made sense because they could make the camera float. That's actually, yeah, that's a, a decent film, too. Uh, Chronicle. Chronicle. Yeah. I like that movie. That was a good one. And, yeah, that one actually, they found good excuses for why the camera was always on and how they could get the shots that they did right. and everything because of the situation that, you know, they did a nice job with that one. I like that one. Mm -hmm. Anyway, thank you very much for uh, listener Floyd for sending that in. And thanks again for stepping up in the uh, last episode and talking about Space 1999. Sorry, the Skype connection was uh, kind of crummy. He was apparently having trouble with one of his routers or extenders or something. So. Bummer. Yeah, but we got it done. So I appreciate it, uh, his help. All right, now let's get back into the TV to the film. But trying to do a little research on this, trying to find, you know, I've... Googling away, trying to find what was the first, what was the first major motion picture based on a TV show, and of course, most people's lists are in alphabetical and not in, yeah. <laughs> not not chronological. So I had trouble trying trying to find the first. I, far as I can tell, uh, from the movies that I know and from what I've been able to see, I think it started probably in the '60s. I'm not going to say that was definitely the earliest. The earliest that I can find and that I know about. Um, the few that I know for sure are like uh, the Munsters uh, finished up their production run on television and did an actual. I thought it was made for TV, but no, it was a theatrical release called Munsters Go Home. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I had no idea. I assumed it was for television, but no, it was a not successful, but <laughs> it was a theatrical release. And that was uh, 1966. Uh, there was. Um, Sergeant Bilko was also released in 1966, and that was based on a television program as well uh, from the 50s, I believe. But those are the earliest that I could find. Uh, I'm not going to say that those are definitely the earliest, but those are the earliest that I, that I could find that really kind of jumped out as me recognizing them. And like I said, I was surprised that the one was actual theatrical. I had no idea. Yeah, I think I've seen that, and that explains it, because it always looks like it had a higher budget mm -hmm. than the show. Well, it was in color, for one thing. Yeah. It was the first time anyone had seen the Munsters in color on screen. Uh, the entire cast, with the exception of um, Pat Priest, I think it was, who played Marilyn, uh, she did not—I could have that wrong, because I think— we went to our third Marilyn for the, I think mm. it is for the, for the, uh, motion picture. Uh, she was the only one that did not, uh, join over. Uh, everyone else uh, appeared as their original characters. Well, she was the weird one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now, of course, uh, there was a few in the, in the seventies. I just watched a couple. Actually, there was the uh, house of dark shadows, which, which was a theatrical release based on the, uh, supernatural soap opera, uh, dark shadows. That one did include, uh, many of the actual cast members. Uh, and also during the television show's production run, there was literally days where someone would finish filming on the production and then have to fly out and film on um, for the film and then in a couple of days fly back and do TV. <laughs> so uh, that was a, a bit of a logistics uh, nightmare for them. But then there was also another, a second a sequel. That one actually did really well, and there was a sequel to it didn't do as well and didn't have men. I think it only had like one cast member or it wasn't even a cast member. It was sort of like a character that appeared a few times on the show and they picked him to continue. It was a minor character and they decided to build the film around it. And of course, obviously it wasn't as popular as the first one. You didn't have a, you didn't have your vampire from Dark Shadows. <laughs> it's what everybody, Barnabas Collins is what people watch Dark Shadows for. If you don't have that, mm. 
of course, recently now, it seems like if you're a TV show, you're going to have a movie. That seems to be the theme now. These are the ones that I probably have um, a little bit of issue with. I think there's different types of uh, uh, that that this goes on. There is the continuation, like we were talking about the Munsters or Dark mm-hmm. Shadows, where it's actually the same cast, or it's just another. It's continuing the story, right. or it's just in addition to the story that's being told on television. And then what seems to be the um, the favored recently is, of course, a total recast and a reimagining of the series uh, in big movie form. And again, Dark Shadows, it happened again for Dark Shadows. When Dark no. Shadows falls on both sides of those. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. No one went to see this other one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. I, I, didn't. I saw like 30 seconds of the trailer and went, nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> so what ones come to mind uh, to you when you when we first brought up the subject so i focused more on that that second category that like reimagined you know redone because i feel i I agree with you it's just sort of a continuation it's a long episode i i'm not saying it doesn't count but i i lean more towards that like what what's the reboot what's what's the entirely different idea sometimes it's a decades later um but i also threw the question out on twitter and i don't want to forget about it because i got some really good answers yeah, I've got some good uh, Facebook responses, too, but let's hear what you got from the, the Twitter folks. So I got one. My friend Ash said, uh, well, it came from her dad, Lost in Space, mm-hmm. 1998, which I can't believe I didn't we think had, of. That has not come up in any of our discussions. It didn't come up in, like, the Guilty Pleasure podcast. Because I like that movie, and I know it's terrible. <laughs> it is awful. I actually saw that in the theater. Did you? And I saw it, like two or three other people and everyone else was like, oh, I was there. I was like, I thought it was fun. Right. <laughs> I had fun watching what yeah. I knew was so bad. It, yeah. Um, so yeah, that makes, that made the list there. Um, also got, um, you know, just generically counting like any Batman movie or, um, uh, the X-Men movies. Cause you know, those did start out as TV shows. Um, sure. Or cartoons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, some here, uh, the Adams family. Absolutely. Um, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which falls mm-hmm. into that category of sure. continuing oh, yeah, I didn't story. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people uh, I talked to wanted to throw out Wayne's World. Yeah, absolutely. From Saturday Night Live. So, yeah. Well, if you go, if you count Saturday Night Live right. as being the the premise, the show. Yeah. then there is a dozen probably uh, of shows or films that are, or shows films that have been based off of Saturday Night Live stuff. And then another one from Saturday Night Live, um, the Blues Brothers. Absolutely. Uh, Coneheads, Blues Brothers, Wayne's yeah. World, uh, It's Pat. Um, <laughs> Which is funny for about two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, unfortunately, with the exception of maybe Wayne's World and eh, Coneheads, maybe. Eh. I really like Coneheads. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's they're, unfortunately, you know, most of the movies that have come out of Saturday Night Live, the gag is only good for that five-minute segment, you know. South Park movie. Beavis and Butthead do America. I forgot about Beavis and Butthead. That movie's a trip. <laughs> um, oh, you're going to love this. J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek is another one where it falls on both sides. You have the original cast right, continuing the story, and you've got the reimagining. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite, Serenity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, another uh, Ash again chimed in. Sh- uh, she agreed. The Star Trek films, um, particularly the Next Generation ones. Sure. Um, she also said she enjoyed the Simpsons movie. Oh, I never saw that. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Another person jumped in with the Adams family again. And then Christina jumped in to mention movies that become TV shows. Sure. Yeah. I think you have to kind of discuss it both directions. Yeah. Uh, 12 Monkeys, mm-hmm. Buffy, and Star Wars The Clone Wars. Sure. So those were the responses I got off of Twitter. I thought that was a really good mix, a little bit of everything, and then even that whole uh, movie into TV show, which I think right. is kind of a harder transition to make. I think it can be because, you know, the movies are typically there's a compact story that lasts an hour and a half, two hours. And then trying to take that and build a universe around it. Some have been more successful than others. Um, One of my favorites is actually um, Alien Nation, which is a film that is scratching on the surface and it falls apart. But they actually were able to tell that story in a television, in a uh, TV form. And it was a rich universe that they could really draw on uh, and create new stuff and actually tell some really great stories with. So, I mean, that's that's an interesting one there. Um, I got a couple of responses on uh, when I put the, the question out on the first one. Uh, uh, Christopher Moxie Page um, started out going the other way, talking about films that went to series. He actually found the Buffy the series was a great improvement, which I would agree. Actually, uh, the first the film is okay; it's good, but if you tried to continue just that, I don't think it would have worked. You right. Know? Uh, Lethal Weapon has been pretty great so far. He's been watching that. Uh, Serpico actually had a short-lived series, and it sucked. Oh, I was going to say, I had never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's why. He always dug the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Those yeah. were fun. Those were fun. And watching Uncle Buck was like watching a baby seal being beaten to death, but with a laugh track. <laughs> oh, I forgot they did that. I that was relatively too. recent, right? That was fairly recent, yeah. I think. Yeah, within the last year, maybe. Oh, very recent then. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I, I'm not sure. Uh, Ron Moon chimes in with, get smart. He loved the show over the movie, but oh, didn't yeah. hate the movie, just prefer the TV show. Get smart is another one of those that falls on both sides. They actually did. Uh, get smart movie. Yeah. The get smart. They actually did. Um, the, fir- the first one was the nude bomb. Was, oh. was what it was called. It was a theatrical release, but it was the original cast members, the one of major motion picture. Floyd Ressler, again, uh, pipes in with the uh, favorites being uh, Star Trek, uh, Firefly, Starsky and Hutch. Um, mm-hmm. He actually liked the Starsky and Hutch film. His absolute least favorite, Wild Wild West. <laughs> we can't be friends. <laughs> <laughs> he did not see the Land of the Lost film, uh, but didn't want to because I knew it, he would have hated it. I That's another one where it just has too many strikes against it. Uh, I, I don't care for uh, Will Ferrell. Um, <laughs> and the, the trailer just looked – we'll actually get into that a little bit here about Your why. hatred of Will Ferrell. <laughs> no, my, no my, my dislike of some of the what the – kind of recent uh, yeah. uh, films have been. Pete Quint says, Speed Racer is an underappreciated film. No, it's not good, but neither was the car- <laughs> but neither was the cartoon. And I thought the film captured the crazy camp of the cartoon. All right, very good. Daniel Sample says he does not like the Mission Impossible movie. MI is a team that quietly gets things done. Instead, we get a typical action movie with a lone man against a large conspiracy. I don't know if it was Cruz who demanded the change, but I tend to blame him. <laughs> I like that. I don't know if he did it, but I blame him. Also, I just don't like him and his presence often will take me out of his movie, out of the movie. I think it was Ghost Protocol that actually had a team on a mission, and that was what the first one should have been. Oh, 
an interesting take on that one. I guess, you know, and I kind of see his point. The Mission Impossible films, the whole idea was this. You go undercover, there was disguises, you try to be quiet about whatever whatever it is you're doing, and now when they go to the film, you turn out that, you know, it's just explosions and people sliding through, you know, vents and <laughs> guns, and yeah, so I see his point on that. That one made my list. Um, I like it because it was that idea of let's take the show and let's, I, I think that was the point, let's blow it up, because mm-hmm. who's your bad guy? Jim Phelps. Right. Let's take the hero of the show and turn him into the bad guy. And, you know, if Tom Cruise was playing Jim Phelps, I'd see that point. But because you you take, you know, like my mom actually had a really hard time with that movie because she grew up loving the show. Sure. And she's like, you don't make Jim Phelps the bad guy. (laughs) Yeah, I have a bit of an issue with that, too, I think. (laughs) But I thought it was a clever twist. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why everything got kind of exposed out there, because here's your mastermind of of controlling your team and, and making them all stealthy. He's the one screwing them over. He's the one making sure they get killed. He's the one, you know, throwing Ethan Hunt under the bus. So I, I think that at least explains that approach, and I, I just like that twist of, yeah, your hero is the villain. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, certainly one of my uh, favorites that I know of is yeah, your least favorite, <laughs> Serenity, because <laughs> I, I, I was a fan of the, of the Firefly series, and Serenity was kind of everything that Joss Whedon wanted to do in the next season or two and compressed into film form. Now, I will admit that there are some story elements that I didn't care for in Serenity. I don't like the um, the uh, origin of the, the, the Reavers that they, they came up with. And I don't know if I would have been a little bit more acceptant of it if I saw it played out over you know 12 or 24 episodes versus crammed into an hour and a half mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting one it, it's one of those uh, rare ones where it's like okay we're canceling you but we'll give you a film you know right and that's pretty uh impressive that they were able to get a an actual theatrical release film uh, other series have done that in tv film form yeah uh, farscape did it uh, many of them have you know the, the this show is like it was popular enough but not popular enough to continue paying for a series so they just give them okay r- wrap up your story you get two hours go yeah. <laughs> and kill your one character who's worth a damn <laughs> yeah and kill every- and you can kill everybody off <laughs> no but that's what they did in serenity i think oh. that was just another reason why i'm not on board with that like i liked wash he was the one character i thought had any like real depth to him that i found believable mm-hmm. and they take him out and i'm just sort of <laughs> like you know what screw you whedon <laughs> The one, the one bright spot, but no one else to me was interesting. I'm like, he's interesting. I want to know. Okay, he's dead. All right, thanks. (laughs) Of course, (laughs) the one thing I could have leaned on has just impaled. (laughs) I'll give you that. He was the one character that seemed the most real. Yeah, I mean, he was like us. He's sitting there, like this. All seems like so something not so sci-fi. You know, honey, you live on a spaceship. Yeah. I identified with him. He's the one reason I gave that show a shot. Mm. And then the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least uh, Mr. Uh, Stanley Tudyk has gone on to do lots of other things. He's shown yes. up at um, guest starred on some other series and uh, and films. So he's at least you got the actor still out there. <laughs> yeah. And he's done some really amazing motion caption work to the point mm. where people didn't realize, oh, that was him. Yeah. Like he's oh, the okay. robot and I robot. 
Oh, interesting. So you didn't know. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> he no. does that whole he's on set the entire time in the in the mocap suit and like that's his voice and huh. those are his movements, his mannerism, his tone. Oh, I didn't He brings know. a lot to it and he did another one uh, oh, he was um the the droid in Rogue One. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Did, was that a mocap too? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, he had like this yeah. he had the motion caption suit on and they had like this big extension to, you know, off the oh, top of his eyesight. head yeah. For, yeah, for the height so everyone knew where to look. Mm. <laughs> but that was him too. Interesting. Yeah, I I forgot that he was in that. Yeah, that's right. I didn't realize that was motion capture. I guess anymore if there's a robotic or uh, alien creature, I just should assume it's mo- motion capture now. Yeah, I think that's easier for the cast of someone to play off of and sure, work sure. with, and he brings you know, a lot to that. It's not a, just a tennis ball on a string. Exactly. You know? <laughs> point there, point there. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, I focused on those ones that were kind of, you know, the, the reimagined ones, mm-hmm. and I tried to primarily focus on ones where I saw parts of the show or a good chunk of the show and the movie. Okay. Can't say that for all of them, but my favorite that did this because it was so different. It embraced the show, but it also kind of changed it to the Brady Bunch movie. Yes, absolutely. I love that movie. The second I'm, one's okay. The, the first, first one, one is really good. Yes. Because yes. you start off thinking it's the Brady Bunch, you know, it's it's the musical cues, it's the bright colors, it's the even just the way the camera work moved and they're coming down the side. Hi mom, hi dad, isn't it a great day? And then they mm-hmm. go outside. You have like fifteen minutes of in the Brady home and then they go outside and you realize it's the late nineties and it's it's the hard rock it's the, the rock and roll, the grunge the dirt everything and you're just sort of like oh they're a bunch of freaks uh-huh. in the real world <laughs> it's not set when the show was set well and it, i think that was sort of a um a take on the fact that the brady bunch isn't been in syndication all this time you can still turn on yep. the tv and find the brady bunch it still exists as it did today <laughs> you know on your tv i think that's what that was sort of and it was so smart yeah. that someone would come along and go, let's just make them how they were mm-hmm. now Yeah, <laughs> in the real world. Just like, just like when you tune in, they don't change right. when you watch them on TV. So why would they change in real life? If they were real life, why would they change? Yeah. And it, I just I love that concept of how like everyone thinks they're weird, but like people are still like like the guys are still all clamoring over Marsha, yeah. and and you know, but then you've got um who who's the oldest? It wasn't was Greg. It Greg who wants to be a rock star, and everyone <laughs> hates <course>. his music. <laughs> Johnny it, Bravo. Yeah, right. It was so funny, and it was just. It, they just had a really good – I think it was just a collection of scenes where they were mm-hmm. like, you know, how can we spoof the Bradys right now in this moment? And, okay, now how can we spoof them in this moment? Like, this is a carjacking. Well, of course this is a car, but my name's not Jack. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's so clever. Uh, you know, I – that was one of those films that just – it walks the right line where, yeah, it mocks but sort of in a in a fun, you know – friendly way the yeah. way you would mock a friend yes. you know um it, without actually just completely making fun of it it's having fun with it i guess and i think that's the big dis- divider right there is are you making fun of it or having fun with it and yeah. there's there's a line that can get crossed and that one just walked it so well it did it, it, it was all the things that you ever grew up Sort of when you got older, you went, wait a minute, how did they, why would they? Right. It's like, okay, well, let's answer that. You know? 
We'll have fun with that. Right. We're going to save our house by entering in the music competition. <laughs> How are they going to win? Because the monkeys are the judges. <laughs> I love the fact that they got so many people uh, from the original series to yes. show up and and have fun with it too. Mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't the 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 Greg who goes to the recording studio and meets. You know, the team, original rank, the original Greg. Look, uh, Mr. Bravo. <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> Didn't start the rash of the TV series gone to film, but it, it definitely was maybe the highest point. <laughs> yeah, I think it's done it the best. I, I mean, there's other movies that have been more successful, but yeah, I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find something that, that reimagined something better than that. Yeah, the sequel, I honestly... It's all right. It's all. It might, I remember it being okay. I don't remember anything about it. That's um, kind of, I. It's been a long time, but I think it's it's the idea that Carol's original husband comes back. Oh, was that the sequel? Yeah. Oh, okay. and you know they kind of do like you know like when the the Brady show like went to Hawaii, they do that a right. little bit, and it, it just kind of became more of like a shout out to old episodes. Whereas mm. like the first one, it did that too, but it it weaved it into the plot a little bit. Okay, interesting. I think I've got both of them kind of mushed into one film. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it focused a lot on like that horse that was always like in the house, and right, it turned out right. that it was like a very rare, valuable object. And the guy who was saying he was Carol's old. Um, husband wasn't. He was just somebody else. But it did one really funny joke where he was on, like, he knew Carol's husband. They were on the same ship together, the SS Minnow. Yes. <laughs> and she's like, I'll never see my husband again, the professor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I do remember that. Okay, yeah, I've got actually a little bit more of the um, sequel in my head than I do the uh, the original film. I, yeah, I've, I've kind of mashed them together. <laughs> Yeah, definitely a highlight. Um, a low light for me, there's a film, The, the Avengers, not the superhero Avengers, uh, but based off the uh, the 60s television uh, spy-fi uh, series, the, Aven- the Avengers, and they tried to do a major emotion that had Uma Thurman and um, blanking on his name. Terrible. i got to really start pulling this stuff up. <laughs> Yeah, the Avengers. Then it started Uma Thurman and uh, Ray Fiennes, and then they had um, uh, Sean Connery as the villain, you know, over the top. And this is probably a good example of the ones where it's like, I think people decide to base a film off a series that they remember, but they don't actually go back to like watch at all. <laughs> it's all based on, on on like some memories or something, and they try to do things, and it just doesn't work. It's fine having an over-the-top villain. I mean, Sean Connery just chews scenery like you would not believe. Like he does. <laughs> like he does. Yeah, well, this is even, you know... Even for him. Ramped up to... Yeah, dialed wow. up to 11. That's yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, Uma Thurman, was she right to, like, be the Emma Peel part? I mean, she's no Diana Rigg. I mean, maybe she's as close as you could have gotten. Uh, Ray Fiennes plays uh, John Steed as... He would have been better suited in, in a Star Trek playing a Vulcan. I mean, he plays him with absolutely no emotion. Just there's a level, and that's where he stays. Mm. You know, and it it doesn't work. That's John Steed was always cool and collected. I mean, he was the kind of you know one of these uh, heroes that walks into a room and he knows where everything is. Uh, he can if he gets in a fight, he he's going to be able to get out of it because he's going to be it, it's like um the kingsman okay 
uh, how those, how that kind of fight kind of, that's the kind of character. I, I see more John Steed in the Kingsman than I did in the Avengers film. He's just the guy that he, he's always in control of the situation. Yeah. Even when he doesn't appear it, he's in control of the situation. He doesn't have to walk through and be, oh, I'm John Steed and I'm like this and, you know, blah, blah. You know, like, oh, he would smile. He'd wink. He was a, a bit of a ladies' man. And like, oh, that was lost. And I was like, where did that go? Why did Why did Ray Fiennes play him like this? And And they also, I think, dipped more into the latter series of the Avengers where I think personally – it started kind of falling apart. In fact, this is the funny part. They kind of dipped into some of the latter series when there wasn't a Diana Rigg playing Emma Peel, but they put the Emma Peel character into the show and into the film. And it was just this weird mismatch, and it, it just didn't work. It was awful. I hated it. Mm. I love watching the old, you know, John Steed, Emma Peel Avengers. I love every one of them. Some are better than others, but I love watching them. This film, I watched it the one time, and I'm like, you're dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> never went back. All right. I, I never watched um, either of those, but, yeah, mm -hmm. that sounds like a bummer. Definitely yeah. sounds like the low point. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that before I was, uh, you know, completely jaded, and I would, like, get excited <laughs> about something like that happening. <laughs> <laughs> don't get excited for movies anymore. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't get excited for these reimaginings and stuff anymore. All right. So uh, next for me, I feel this is kind of like a, like a second place behind the Brady Bunch. Um, it came first, and I, I could probably see how like the people who worked on the Brady Bunch movie maybe looked at this and said, "You know what? We could do that and a bit better." Um, and my friends mentioned it: the Adams Family. Yep. Absolutely. I, I really like, you know, the show was funny, mm -hmm. you know, you know, for its time. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and the movie kind of took it like one step further. Let's make it a little bit darker. Let's make them a little bit creepier because mm -hmm. they were kind of a goofy family that lived in like a weird house. Right. Whereas this is like, they're a scary family that lives in a scary house, <laughs> yes. but it's a comedy and mm -hmm. it works as a comedy. It works as a little bit, not, not as a horror, but as just of like, I'm uncomfortable because mm -hmm. <laughs> what they're doing is a little weird. <laughs> Yep, absolutely. Uh, Adams Family was one of the first ones that came to mind as being a, a, the Bradys and the Adams Family. I think, yeah, you're right. First and second place. Um, again, again, the sequels, meh. Yeah. You know, of course, like I said, Brady Bunch, I've got it all smashed together, <laughs> but I might, I may have with the Adams Family too. Um, but yeah, first and second place, they, um, they did it just right. I mean, they weren't, None of it was them trying to make fun of what happened before. And it maybe helps, too, that both of these were comedies. Yeah. And so the films were comedies. And this is something well, I'm sure we'll get into down the road here is what I really hate is when they take a television series that wasn't a comedy, but the film is. And that's like, I don't get that. Right. I don't know why you do that. That, to me, is just you – making fun of that show right. and, and there and therefore making fun of everyone who liked that show. And that I find insulting. Yeah, I agree. And that that's kind of it in a, in a bottle right there for me. Adam's family is fantastic. The cast is just incredible. Perfect cast. Absolutely. You couldn't, well, you literally can't duplicate it because unfortunately, um, Raul, Raul Julia. Julia passed away. Yeah. He was so good as Gomez. Oh my gosh. You, they just look like everyone just looked like they had so much fun. Yeah. And they were like just reveled in being able to be Gomez and Morticia uh -huh. and Uncle Fester. Well, Chris Lloyd. Christopher as, Lloyd. As he as did Uncle so Fester. good. <laughs> 
And uh, oh, who was a uh, uh, Wednesday? Um, uh, Christina Ricci. Christina Ricci. She loved playing that. Oh, <laughs> well, she practically Christina Ricci practically was Wednesday <laughs> at, at that stage in her life. I think so. It was. It really was absolutely perfect. I think she inspired a whole generation of like goth and emo kids. <laughs> I think she still kind of does because I see her like like images of her. You know you know, 20 years ago is Wednesday Adams still popping up in like memes and, and, and images actually more than 20 years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I was talking about before is one of the reasons, uh, you know, you actually don't mind the wild, wild West. I don't care for it. <laughs> and a lot of it is they're a little bit on opposite of why we're, uh, think the Adams family did it right with casting. I don't think the wild, wild West did well with casting. Okay. Um, I don't have a problem with Will Smith. Um, I, just think he is more of a I'm going to make a joke at this point kind of actor. And the original series wasn't a comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they had their you know tongue in cheek at some point. Uh, it definitely turned into sort of a, um, a weird fantasy sci-fi kind of thing, complete with like steampunk uh, robots and stuff like that. But again, uh, Jim West was the character's name in the uh, Wild Wild West series. And he's another one of these guys where he walks in a room and he can handle whatever situation is thrown at him. And and he's going to do it in a cool, calm, and collected manner. And Will Smith is going to crack jokes. Right. <laughs> Didn't really – the funny one was Artemis Gordon. Right. And funny, but just by – he was the guy that would throw up who – would, who would have the pun or would – you know. He was, he was the um, – the master of disguise and everything. And he was actually in the series, a serious master of disguise. You know, he would be disguised and people wouldn't know it was him. They give it to a Kevin Klein in the film and they make a joke out of it. You know, they put him in a, in a wig and lipstick and it's like, you don't look like a woman. I mean, that's <laughs> not a disguise. That's horrible. It, 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 they make a joke out of it. If it was just the story itself, I probably wouldn't have had an issue with it. But the fact that they took the characters in the directions that they did with the actors that they did, that's where I might have. I, I think I had an issue with it. Yeah, that makes sense to me. A younger, a little younger Kevin Klein, uh, uh, Kevin Klein, Silverado Kevin Klein, would have been a great Jim West. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that's that. That was my issue with like Wild Wild West. Okay. And then the next one, or did you have another one? No, that's fine. Okay. Go on. So the next one, this does what you're talking about. This, uh, like in a good way, this takes that more serious show and keeps it in that serious tone. And I love this movie, The Fugitive. Yes. Okay. That was yeah. really good. I wasn't as familiar with the, um, with the series other than knowing it existed. Right. Knowing the premise. Right. Wrongly accused, chasing the one-armed man. Mm-hmm. That's all I knew. Which is all you kind of need to yeah, know. Yeah, sure. Because that's the whole setup of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in the trailer. So it's <laughs> like, well, we'll just sum up the idea of the show that went on for a while. And there you go. And it, it's this wonderful cat and mouse game with um, Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Um, I still remember the first time, like when, when we, like we kind of like, we didn't go to the theater for that, but we watched it as a family. We got it mm-hmm. like out of the, the video store. And I still remember my dad being in hysterics 
when it's the uh, scene, it's pretty much like their only scene together of Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Were in there the dam? In the, mm-hmm. Yeah, at the dam. I knew I, that had to come up. Yeah. Yeah, he he doesn't laugh at a lot of things. He lost his mind at this scene of, I didn't kill my wife. I, I don't, don't care. care. <laughs> we had to pause because he needed a moment because that line just hit him right. Well, that was a brilliant bit of writing both for just that scene and for the character, the Tommy G. Lee Jones character. He's like he, he's just a cop doing his job. Well, right. Marshall, you know, yes. he's a law enforcement. He's just it doesn't matter to right. him who's guilty. Right. He's not. I've been, I've been ordered to bring you in. Right. That's he's not. It. He's not investigating the crime. Right. He's bringing in his fugitive. <laughs> right. And and then he jumps off the dam. And Tommy Lee Jones, who, the way he he said, I mean, other actors could have said that line uh-huh. and it wouldn't have come off as right. well. It, Tommy Lee Jones really does have that look of. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Got the gun on him. <laughs> and yeah, and then and then Richard Kimball jumps off the dam and then Tommy Lee Jones just has this like <laughs> look on his face. And again, at pause the movie. What happened to him? Well, he, 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 he did a Peter he, Pan he, right he, off of here. <laughs> he lost it again. <laughs> Something about Tommy Lee Jones' delivery is the funniest thing in the yeah, world to well, my dad. <laughs> and Tom, it is very funny. Tommy Lee Jones given the right script. Yes. Is, just, is hilarious. Is a, a force of nature. Yes. <laughs> um, and you know, in that one line, I want you to check every farmhouse, hen house, outhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and that was such a good movie because because I didn't know the show, I was I was on the edge of my seat the first time I watched that, and you know it was just like because there's like a bunch of parts where like the cops are right behind mm-hmm. him. This wasn't just he's out there and they're out here; they're right behind him. They're always like half a step behind him, but it's a close half step. You know, there's the part in the hospital where he's like trying to figure out like who the one armed man could be, and he's finishing up right as the police are showing up, and yeah. then they pass each other and and then it's like they really i think that was him and now they've got to run and get him or or uh he's he's at the one-armed man's house and he calls he calls the the marshals to mm-hmm. to lead them there but now he's got to get out of the house before the cops show up and it, it it was just this really suspenseful movie and you have two great actors at the height of their performance mm-hmm. Just giving it their all, and it, it, and the ending was a great payoff, and it's a very rewatchable movie because of just how good they both are throughout that film. Yeah, and that that's, was a one of the rare instances where everything they just do it right. Yeah, you know, they they take the theme and then just build on it, and yeah, reimagined and builds on. Yeah, it's just really good. And I think it it's kind of more of an underrated movie probably because it's based on a TV show and everyone, you know, it's just sort of like, you know, everyone knows, oh, this is the one-armed man and he's going to mm-hmm. catch him. It's like, that's, that's not why you watch it. You watch <laughs> right. it for these brilliant scenes with these small moments that are wonderful. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the A-Team film? That I didn't see. You didn't see the film? No. Okay. Did you ever, we, we're probably not familiar with the series. No, I, I know the series, but I never watched it. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, that was, you know, it's a little bit of... What I was saying that they were sort of, you remember the series and so they build a film around it. It was a little bit of that. Um, if it wasn't bad. I mean, the A-Team, the series itself was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, it's one of these, you know, it was on TV, but it's about a bunch of mercenaries and there's lots of automatic weapons and, you know, 
no one gets shot. <laughs> <laughs> no one you care about. <laughs> no, no one gets oh, shot. Oh, no one gets shot. <laughs> everyone misses. Yeah, everyone it's, gets it's, out just in time or, yeah. It's stormtrooper training camp. <laughs> yes, it's exactly what that is. So the A-Team film kind of takes that and it's, I think it erases some of that. And it, it does, as ridiculous as the series was, it sort of, um, it does kind of top it. I mean, you do end up with like a Abrams tank falling from the sky and using the gun turret to slow down their descent to survive that kind of over <laughs> the top awesome. yes uh, now i want to see it yeah <laughs> worth it for that alone yeah um it is over the top it is fairly well cast if, if you don't if you're not familiar with the series i think it was really well cast yeah. if you're familiar with the series you're always you can't help it but you're gonna be putting these people against the people that were in the sure. series you just you can't help it um but it wasn't bad i mean it was a fun film. It was kind of one of these films that you almost wish the series did. If the series didn't exist, you would have enjoyed the film more. So if you're not familiar with the series, you know, that might be the film for you. If you just want stupid action, A-Team, I would suggest. I love stupid action. A-Team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my other one, this kind of takes that idea of like, let's, let's really, you know, harp it up as a comedy. But I think it did it well. Maverick. 1994 Maverick. Yeah. With Mel yeah. Gibson before we hated him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I really like that movie. That's one of those movies where it's like, if you just like kind of a clever comedy, not not a super over the top, like, you know, you know, make your stomach hurt comedy, but just sort of like, a, <laughs> that was funny. Mm -hmm. That it's a That's the perfect movie for you. And he's great in it. And I really like how it embraced elements of it. I didn't see too much of the original show. I just, yeah. just enough to kind of be like, oh, okay, like, you know, they did, they did the card game and they, you know, and he's, he, he talks his way out of situations mm -hmm. and things like that. So, but, and, and I like how they slipped James Gardner into the movie. Yeah. It's both, it, it's sort of a reimagining, but you could call it maybe almost a sequel. If right. you want to say, okay, well, that James Garner was the future, or not the future, was the, you know. Original Maverick. Was, was Maverick in the series, and now this is his son yeah. kind of thing. Which yeah. it is, which yeah. is that fun little twist at the uh -huh. end. Uh, uh, you know, because the whole time you're just thinking, like, this is just some old guy he doesn't like. And then it turns out, it's like, did he goes, he's like, Dad, come on. Like, wait, what? <laughs> the whole time? <laughs> and so I really like that. And I, you know. Again, it's just because it's so funny and it, it has like these really good moments and um, there are stakes in that movie. I think that's what also makes it good. Like there are, are a lot of parts like it opens with him on a horse with a noose around his neck mm -hmm. and his horse is slowly getting spooked by snakes. Like that's the first scene and you're just sort of like, so is he going to die? Because the whole rest, <laughs> half the movie's in flashback and then we catch mm -hmm. up to that moment and you're thinking like, so the movie's going to end now. He's going to die, right? Like, <laughs> that happens to him a lot. <laughs> No, I really I I enjoyed uh, Maverick a lot, and uh, it was you're right. Mel Gibson before a lot of things happened. Yeah, uh, James Garner, I you just cannot go wrong with me with James Garner. No, you uh, can't. He's just one of those actors that if you put him in something, I'll watch it because yeah. it's James Garner. <laughs> you know, I just I absolutely loved watching that man on film, mm -hmm. and he really helps pull that movie together. Like if there were any, if there were going to be like any real problems or any like you know loose parts, like he just he tightened yes. the whole thing up. Yep, absolutely. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, I think you have to count this, is the the Muppet movie. Oh, you know, I didn't think of that, but you're absolutely right, one hundred percent. Yep. 
love the original Muppet movie. Uh, in, you know, who's who of 50s, 60s, and, and 70s uh, actors. Yeah. Steve Martin shows up. and uh, Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. So many characters, pe- people show up in that film. It's cleverly written. Yes. Um, there's, there's great little inside gags. You know, they, they come across Big Bird. And, mm-hmm. uh, I'm heading to New York to break in the public television. <laughs> uh. Good luck. <laughs> yes. Fork in the road. <laughs> uh, stuff like that. I absolutely just adore that film. It's That's another one of those films that it's still completely watchable. Yes. I think it's watchable whether you know who these people are that are showing up in these guest stars. It still works. Yeah. Uh, it's weird. You watch it, and yes, it's Muppets, but it, it, in a weird way, you stop seeing them as being, you know, felt and cloth, yeah. and they're like, these are characters yeah. in a movie. <laughs> these are characters I'm rooting for, <laughs> yeah. that when they're in trouble, I'm scared. Mm-hmm. And you put on just that last scene, I will get teary-eyed. Yeah. It hits me that hard. I love that ending. It's so when good. When they're in the, the, in the theater. Yeah. Huh? Or like when like when they're they're making the movie, yes, and then the roof explodes mm-hmm. and the rainbow comes down. And you see like every Muppet that Jim Henson yes. ever made, yeah. And I'm just sort of like, oh god, oh, keep it together. I think, and, and you know, I think too, um, despite the fact that it happened years before Jim Henson passed away, yeah, I feel that because of scenes like that, it becomes sort of this real great memorial yeah. to Jim Henson. Uh, I just absolutely adore the film. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, my, I think one of my most favorite lines in all of cinema comes from that movie where it's when they first get in the car, a bear in his natural habitat. A Studebaker. A Studebaker. <laughs> it's so funny. Yes. And for years, I've always wanted I to see. I use that line. <laughs> right? It's great. It's a great line. Um, and I love just that whole like opening where it's just Kermit and Fozzie in the car. And I always thought it would have been a great thing if if uh, Jim Henson and Frank Oz recreated that as just them. Uh-huh. If yeah. they redid that scene, that would have been one of the most brilliant things to have ever seen. Just the two of them singing that song, driving down the road that in a car. That would have been awesome. That would have been a great thing to do. I love that the film, too, is also sort of self-referential. Very. Uh, I mean, they... They, it's kind of one of these things where every now and again they like almost acknowledge that they're in a movie. Yeah. You know, the, the, it's a, that's a myth, a myth. Yes. Yes. And it happens again. Like, great. It's a running gag. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I like the guy who's trying to like, I want to go to Hollywood. And he's yeah, chasing him down. <laughs> Jack not named Jack Job. Or whatever. Because <laughs> the character's real name is Sweetums. Most Sweetums, people don't know yes, that. Right. Uh, but yeah, and then how like you're halfway through the movie and the the, the film breaks down, <laughs> and so that explains how we cut to somewhere else of like, right. oh, they had to cut the movie yeah, real little quick. Robin, is this really how the Muppets got started? Uh, mm-hmm. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's a loose interpretation. Yeah. Brilliant, fun film. Yeah. Absolutely good pick. Um, so this, even though it started as a comic book, most people would agree that it became popular because of a show. And then the movie, I love I love the show. Grew up watching the show. Uh, to this day, I still want to be one of them. Is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The original <laughs> 1990 movie. Yeah. Which okay, is still sure, sure. really good. Sure. That first movie. Like, yep. For a kid's movie, only could have happened in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They, they cursed in that movie. There was blood in that movie. Uh, a character was tortured <laughs> for weeks <laughs> on end. 
and just so like, I'm glad I grew up in the nineties or I had yeah. this stuff. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I absolutely love that movie of, you know, it's just, I, I think the one thing maybe it was missing is if like, if Splinter died at the end, if, cause you know, he was the one who was kidnapped and he was tortured. And then the four of them have to figure out like, well, you know, what the hell do we do now? Like, how do we go on without our sensei, without our dad, mm-hmm. without the person who brings us together? They fall apart. It takes one of them almost dying for them to come back together. They realize he's still alive. They decide to like, you know, launch one last effort to save him. He gets set free. They meet the shredder for the first time. He mops the floor with them. And I thought that was so brilliant because every movie, every Ninja Turtles movie that has the shredder in it since they beat him, Mm -hmm. they couldn't beat him in this four on one. He, he, he just kicks the hell out of them. Like they're bleeding. Like it's finally not until like 20 minutes of fighting him that Leonardo lands a lucky shot. But he's still okay. Like, he cuts him on the arm, but the rest of them are, like, bruised and bloody. It's like he's got one scrape on his arm. <laughs> and it, it's 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 uh, Splinter showing up who has, like, this one final duel with him and tricks the guy. Pretty much does, like, a whole, I'll just step to the side and you'll throw yourself off the roof. That's how he wins with mm-hmm. one quick move. And I thought it would have been clever if it, like, and then he collapses and dies. Right. Like, that was the last thing he did. He was He saved his sons against the guy they couldn't beat. And then every movie since then was gags and kid humor and don't worry, we'll save the day and we'll win. Splinter's still alive. Everything's still good. Everything will end up status quo. I think if he died and it's like, well, that explains why they go on and they're able to win because they don't have him to rely on. Right. But other than that, it's a really good movie that you probably shouldn't show to a a five or six year old that I was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were we were we were different people. (laughs) Yeah, that was, and it also has you know remarkable practical costume. Effects. Yes, I mean they these move guys, in those things. Yes, these guys that what you see is what was on set. The the turtle costumes, they move. They do their acrobatics. They do their 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 fighting and everything in these suits. There is no CGI. The yeah. CGI as we know it today didn't exist then. No. It would have been a cheap fire in the corner or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely amazing. So it's got that going for it, too. Yeah. Uh, and then it, it has, like, jokes in it that I still will quote. Like, uh, there's a part where, uh, you know, it's the beginning of the movie and they order a pizza, but they live in the sewer. So, like, they, they, they give the pizza delivery guy, uh, our address is 122 and an eighth. <laughs> and so the, and they're just sitting in the sewer waiting for him to come by and walk by the grate. And then Michelangelo just goes, oh. He's late, five bucks off, <laughs> and then so he gives the guy, uh, he gives the guy, you know, money, and the guy goes, "What is this? You know, like this isn't enough." He goes, "You, he goes, you're ten minutes late." And he goes, "I couldn't find the place." Wise men says forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. <laughs> I use that. <laughs> I've never underpaid, but I have said that to people. <laughs> now I got one on my list. This is a a film where. It's a TV show, and then they did a major motion picture, and it was a simple question of why did they do a major motion picture? The Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie. Okay. This happened, it was right after they finished their run on Comedy Central Mm -hmm. and um, prior, uh, and just before moving over to Sci Fi Channel. And they did a ma- they did a motion picture, and in this motion picture, they did the exact same thing that they do on the TV show, right? Except they did it on the big screen. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> well, I'll defend that because that is what got me into MST3K. That really? was my introduction to it, and I still really like that movie because I thought they did a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it did a, it did a really good job of summing up what the show was about and giving mm-hmm. you the premise of this is a mad scientist. He's trying to break this guy down, and he made you know he's got these robots to help him stay sane by mocking right. the movie. The one thing that you can kind of take away is of every episode, it's the shortest. And I think that's funny because pe- because the studios were like, we don't think people will will stay engaged, you know, for long enough. And like, well, we've done longer. Literally, everything else we did was longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also thought they picked a good movie because this Island Earth is kind of an entertaining movie by itself. It's not oh, absolutely. It's not terrible. Mm-hmm. And I think because there there have been some episodes of MST3K where I'm like, I can't watch. There, you'd uh, be funny as funny as you want. Like this movie is unwatchable. I don't care mm-hmm. what you say about it. That one kind of has like an interesting premise and plenty of moments to knock down. Yeah, there was a lot of um a lot of uh griping wrong among the, you know, classic sci-fi fans that they were taking what was typically kind of regarded as being one of the classics, you know, right. one of the staples of of sci-fi, this island earth and turning it into an MST. Um but they're right in that there is a lot of B-movie elements in the film, yeah, uh, you've got kind of silly-looking makeup <laughs> aliens. You've got the the giant, the, the giant, giant insect. Mo- lobster monster. It looks like he's got a scrotum for a head. <laughs> yeah, um, it has a lot of that going for it. So, and I think it's been a while since I've seen the film. I think this was when they were still having fun with the films. Before yeah. they openly started mocking a lot of the movies, I think when they moved over to the Sci-Fi Channel, for whatever reason, there was like a sea change in the writing, and they started doing more poking fun at the film, right? Rather than just you know watching the movie and it made them think of something, yeah. And it might be something relevant to like what's going on at the times, uh-huh. or just making some sort of crack of whatever without, or just the occasional ah. Uh, you know, camera guy, you know, because they see him in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. And that that's fine, you know. But when they start openly mocking what the people are on the mm-hmm. screen are doing and the, what the filmmakers tried to do or whatever, that's when I start kind of falling out of Mystery Science Theater. So this is kind of like maybe a last hurrah yeah. before they started really changing, changing over. Um, but yeah, it's been a while since I've seen the film, but it just still seemed like at the time, it kind of, because I was watching the show, it seemed like, why would they do this? Sure. And then <laughs> trying to actually get, we, we, my friends and I wanted to go see it. Trying to find it was a bit of a difficult uh, oh, wow. task. It wasn't in a lot of theaters for very long. I think we ended up having to drive to Columbus. Wow. Uh, drive a couple hours to find it in the theater. <laughs> like it, it was in and out. So. Uh, I've heard that a lot of it had to do with uh, the producer Jim Mallon just really wanted a film a film credit, mm. and this was his chance of doing it. And so it was it was literally a case of we really wanted I want this we're going to do it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so they did it. The other thing about that movie that I liked is that's my favorite version of the cast: as Mike as the test subject, mm-hmm. as as Kevin Murphy as Servo, and as Trace Blue as as Crow. I like yes. all of them for different reasons, mm-hmm. but that to me, that's my A cast. Yes, those three. And again, there's a, a line in that movie that I quote all the time. Well, actually, there's two. Um, but my favorite one is it's it's early in the movie. It's where uh, uh, Cal and and Joe are like you know working on their experiment. 
environment and like, you know, Cal is like saying something and then all of a sudden one of them comments and goes, increase the Flash Gordon noise and put more science stuff around. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have said that when watching other movies because it's just sort of like, yeah, that's what they did. And then the other part is when they're escaping the house and the house explodes and one of them, this, this might be my favorite line from all of MST3K where one of them goes, well, that's what happens when you leave a potato in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the kind of jokes and the humor that I loved at Mystery Science Theater yeah. for. It's just, it didn't have anything really to do with the film. Right. It's just funny. A funny joke. Yeah. And I, I, and love I agree that. with you. Trace Bellew and, 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 um, Kevin Murphy. Kevin Murphy and, and Mike are, are, that's, that's not my A team. There is some, Good stuff with Joel. Yes, absolutely. But my favorite is Mike. Just his humor. I mean, well, Mike was the head writer of the show from long time, long time, well, from like the start, I think. Yeah, and so it's amazing how the humor changes just depending on who's on the screen, or right? Whatever. Just his his delivery, I think, mm -hmm. was a bit better. His, there's something to his voice. You know, Joel was really playing that whole like I'm tired all the time kind mm -hmm. of thing, right? And you know, Mike just had a little bit more He's of an just upbeat, a big goofy guy, right? Yeah. And he's the guy that if you weren't if you weren't trapped in space with these guys or whatever, he'd be at TGIF, you know, asking <laughs> you, oh, how many today? Four? Great, come this way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Which actually was his job at one point. Oh really? <laughs> and then uh yeah, and and to me, Kevin Murphy is the ultimate. He is the yes. ultimate MST3K character. Like his delivery, his voice. He does uh, somehow. He did Servo better, even though Servo was just pressing one button and spinning it around. Like th his voice went with that so well. And then, but I think Trace Blue of everyone on that show had the best timing. Mm. There's something about how he just timed his jokes and in you know snuck them in there or when they did like the you know out of the theater stuff it was just so fun like it, in that movie there's the part where it opens where he's trying to tunnel out of the ship i'm digging us out mike <laughs> yeah it's like all right uh, like the he's he's breached the hull and then it's like uh i didn't see this mike can you hand me my calculations it hits him in the face <laughs> thank you oh look at that breach hull all die even had it underlined <laughs> And then they fix the hull, and 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 he goes, "Well, I calculated the odds of this succeeding against the odds I was doing something incredibly stupid, and I went ahead anyway." <laughs> and only he could deliver a line that good. In the series, one of my favorite crow moments with with Trace, you know, at the, at the helm. It's an and it's one of my favorite movies. The MST, a, a an Italian spy film called Danger Death Ray. I think I've seen that. And there is the scene where Tom Servo creates a death ray for peaceful purposes. But, oh, <laughs> oh, here comes Crow. So he zaps Crow. Crow comes on the set, and he's smoldering. There's flames, you know, come, you have a little bit of flame coming off him. And he's like, what the heck was that for? Yeah. And, you know, and he sits there and goes like, well, I, didn't, I saw you coming. I just had to. Oh, I guess it is kind of funny. He's, and everyone starts laughing. And the Crow character's laughing and everything. And all of a sudden, his eyes just woof, go up in flame. Yeah. Not exposed to happen. No. But he just keeps, ah, ah, Yeah, I've seen And that. it just goes on. And so they kept it. Because yeah, he I, just kept in character while this was happening. It was hysterical. Oh, I, one of the yeah. best scenes. Yeah, I think that's one of the funniest things that ever come out of the show. I've seen that, too. Just, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> all right, now cut quick before we all break character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's a great moment. Mike and everyone just like, ah, 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 yeah. ah, they're trying to say it. they're laughing, but he's backing away because right, that's a real <laughs> uncontrolled open flame. Yeah. And this is a cheap set made of plywood. 
We could we could do a whole MST episode. <laughs> I could, yes. So this goes into let's take something and turn it into a comedy. But I think because I didn't watch any of the original series, I like this movie for what it was of a goofy mm-hmm. kind of you know more recent comedy of Twenty One Jump Street. Okay, I never got a chance to see the film. Uh, I thought it was clever. You know, it it even takes its time a little bit to explain why these characters would be sent to high school. It's like, well, because you look really young and you're both immature, so you'll fit in perfectly. And, you know, because, like, it, it opens with... They're just, like, two bicycle cops in the park and they see, like, a, a drug deal or something. And they chase the guy down. They, like, they jump on him. They catch him. They, they like, you know, shove him into the ground. They handcuff him. And they're, like, dancing around, like, we got him. We caught a drug deal. Like, this is great. This is huge. They're, it cuts to them in, like, their captain's office. Did you read him his Miranda rights? Uh, <laughs> can you tell me the Miranda rights? Uh, <laughs> and like one of them goes, you have a right to be an attorney. Did you just say you have a right to be an attorney? You do have a right to be an attorney. <laughs> like It's clever. It's, it's right. funny. It pokes fun at itself a little bit. And it's just the two. It's Jonah Hill and... Um, I do like Jonah Hill. Yeah, it's Jonah Hill and... Channing Tatum mm. being themselves, right. being two goofballs, and it works. And it's simply there's like little gags of like because uh, Channing Tatum's character, he was the cool guy in high school, and Jonah Hill's character was the dork in high school. And there's Channing Tatum going like, "No man, you don't put your backpack on with both straps. You one strap it. That's what the cool kids do." And then Jonah Hill's wearing his with two straps on. He's like, "Everyone's got two straps on." You know, it's better for your back. It, you know, if you do one strap, it's going to hurt your back. It's going to hurt your shoulder. And then he's like, damn it. And he puts both straps on. <laughs> so it's just like these little gags of just like, yeah, that's kind of the useless crap that happens in high school. Yeah, that's funny. No, I never got around to seeing the film. I used to watch the series when I was younger, you know, when it was on TV. Um, of course, it was um, Johnny Depp's kind of breakout. Peter DeLuise was his uh, co-star in twenty in the uh, in the show. I don't know if he made any cameos. Or they any, did. They both they? cameoed in it. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. even nice Johnny Depp did. It. Yeah, even Johnny Depp did. And it's it's towards the end, and it's a really funny moment. Um, I would say give that movie a watch, and I won't okay. give what happens in the cameo away because it's it's really funny. All right, cool. Yeah, I, I will. Uh, Peter, his co-star Peter DeLuise from the original, um, he went on to do a lot of. Um, uh, directing, he did the television directing. He used to direct a lot of the uh, Stargate franchise, uh, Stargate SG One, and it was it was fun. If you if you watch a lot of the shows that he's directing, um, there was a good chance you'd see him sort of quarter pull the Hitchcock. <laughs> you you'd see him in the background somewhere or whatever. The, nice. Even if there was one where like he'd be like at a gun turret and something would happen, you see him. Hi. Kind of <laughs> <out>. <laughs> yeah. Cute. Um, yeah, I'll have to check that one out. I guess I've always meant to. I just never uh, never got around to it. Which, uh, yeah, they went with the comedy, but it doesn't sound like they went quite over the top. There was a couple. There was like uh, Land of the Lost was, a, was one that they did. I mean, this was one. It was a children's series. I mean, it was based on the, the TV show. Was It was for kids. It was at a kid's level. And they take this series and turn it into, you know, screwball comedy. Uh, again, I, I think Will Ferrell, why do that? I, I, I just don't get it. Well, you take something and then they, they make fun of the fact that, you know, oh, how silly this was or how stupid this was. I'm like, it was a kid's show. Right. You know, they weren't trying. They didn't need to make sense. 
it was you know it was made for kids i don't like it when they do that where they take something where it was obviously yeah we watch it now and it was and it's ridiculous well yeah because you're an adult in the 21st century <laughs> yeah you're you're talking about something that was in the the what late 70s or something made for kids obviously it's not going to hold up <laughs> right <laughs> you don't make fun of it you don't make an entire film making fun of it right and i think they've done that more often than not with almost Everything here lately. Mm -hmm. um, the Green Hornet is yeah. another one. Um, that does have some moments. There are some clever because it, it, it still has moments, and that might have worked. And again, the casting for me, I have a real issue with. Right. Um, not a Seth Rogen fan. <laughs> I am not a Seth Rogen fan. And there was just too many times where it was kind of like, hey, in case you forgot, I'm Seth Rogen. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> you know, uh, I just, yeah. It could have worked if it had been done by somebody else. Right. I, I did like that they embraced the fact that Cato solves everything. Yeah. <laughs> that was, I thought that was a clever thing. Like, literally everything. Mm -hmm. He makes the car. He does the fighting. You know, Seth Rogen gets in, like, one lucky punch here or there. Right. I thought that was at least a... They kept that. Cato was important to the series. But, no, the, the guy relied on Cato, but he was a crime fighter himself. I mean, he was a... A rich, well, a rich publisher. <laughs> Not many of them around anymore, unfortunately. Um, but he was a crime fighter himself, and he was more of the, maybe he was more of the um, uh, the detective of the team, where Cato was the uh, more of the muscle. The muscle. Um, and didn't watch a lot of the Green Hornet when I was younger, but um, it certainly didn't deserve to be turned into, you know, just at laugh track here sure. kind, of, kind of movie. Um Atlanta lost uh, Green Hornet was another one that's Dragnet. Dragnet is another one. Yeah. Why did they turn it into a comedy? I don't understand that. There was no reason to make it because I don't think it would have worked if you embraced what the show was about. And so they, well, we want to. It's like yeah. it would only work as a comedy, even though it didn't work yeah, as a comedy. It, well, there you go. And that begs the question. It, okay, no one's going to want to watch just law and order on the big screen right. which is what it would have turned into yeah or what it would have been well no one would watch that but then don't make don't it make it <laughs> yeah why do you have to just because you can throw a name on it and ah it's friday huh i swear the entire movie was wrapped around the fact that someone would could stand up and go thank god it's friday <laughs> put a script around it. yes that's why that film was made uh horrible yeah not not good great actors yep and uh, sh they should have known better role. <laughs> yeah. That was Dan Aykroyd. Who was the other one? Uh, um, Tom Hanks. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> Last movie for me. I didn't know that there was a show version of this. It wasn't until I was looking these up and I was like, there was a show of that? Okay, cool. Now I get to talk about one of my favorite movies, The Untouchables. <laughs> Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have no idea what the original show was about. Love the movie, though. <laughs> yeah. I... I saw the movie once i want to say really many many many, many yeah like long ago good uh, good crime show serious mm -hmm. not goofy right um sean connery mm -hmm. not chewing the scene <laughs> <laughs> actually doing a good job mm -hmm. kevin costner killing it the whole time right andy garcia oh. kind of in like one of his earliest roles um doing a great job and then you have that iconic scene at the uh the train station 
of the the baby carriages going down the stairs and the whole thing cuts to you know just is in slow mo and it's the shootout and you know it's I've seen it spoofed um, I've seen it homaged it, it's just a, a brilliant scene that kind of stands up to to the hype you know because I've told people like you should watch this movie just for this scene and it's towards the end of the movie and it, it the whole thing is really good but like that that's the big moment. Yeah, really good. Uh, I remember watching it. I remember liking it. Uh, it's just been a long time since I've seen it. And yeah, no, I've ne- I never watched any of the series. I don't know if it was actually. A, I guess it must have been a television series. I'm sure. I want to say it may have actually been a radio program as well. So that might be one that's kind of. I do know it was a radio program. The, yeah. Okay. Um, I just know when I've researched, like you know, TV shows turned into movies. That was like at the top of a lot of lists, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, cool, good excuse. <laughs> There's some that's interesting that, you know, there are movies that never made it to TV but were radio programs before, things like The Shadow. Yeah. Um, Phantom. Which, <laughs> and the, the Phantom. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, made it from comics and radio and made it to film. And those almost, I think, do a little – hold up a little better for me because they're, they, you don't have the baggage of previous visual media yeah. well, outside of uh, – comics but i mean as far as t- television goes i think that's the hardest thing with any of it is especially if you're a fan of that show or you remember liking it as a kid or whatever is you that's it that's that's what you remember and so someone else's vision of it doesn't meet that i'm not one that can easily just switch one or the you know switch it off and go okay yes that was good even though it wasn't like that uh, it doesn't always happen. It has to be really good for me to go. Y- yes, those both can exist in my life. <laughs> kind yeah. of thing. Uh, it's it has to be really good, and unfortunately, most of them aren't. Right. You know, um, I'm sure there's a bunch of others we haven't mentioned. I know I've talked about the the Naked Gun series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the file uh, Police Squad was a television series. Six episodes is all it was. Right. And then you know they made a film and. Someone else commented in the uh, in an email, I think, earlier that you know they they change who the Frank Drebin character is. You know, yeah, he's, he's not just the the guy walking through life with crazy stuff that happens around him. They turn him into the the uh, what they call him the Inspector Clouseau type, or yeah. whatever. It is true. I didn't realize until I went back and watched some of the police squads and then watched the Naked Gun. I'm like. Hmm, hmm. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> it's not as good. I like the police squad uh, better. Uh, and of course, there's been lots of other, you know, the Rocky and Bullwinkle is another one, you know, sure. from the cartoon that they try to do sort of live action. Um, <laughs> there was the um, Flintstones. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say that. Like, that's one of those movies that was, you know, kind of trying to do what like the Brady Bunch did. Like, didn't bring it to the real world, but gave it those like real world elements. Um, you know, kind of changed the characters up a little bit, like because. You know, in the show, it was it was Fred and Barney, and they were both kind of dopes trying to, like, you know, always, like, sneak something past their wives. Whereas in this one, for whatever reason, Barney is a genius. Like, he's the <laughs> smartest one. And I'm just sort of, like, I remember going, like, that's not how it was in the cartoon. cartoon. Rick Moranis, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it John Goodman? John Goodman and Rick Moranis. Like, good cast. Mm-hmm. You know, it embraced that whole, like, let's make all, like, the, the rock puns and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But like the the whole idea was like there's an embezzling scheme going on. I'm just sort of like this is based on Hanna Barbera. Can we tone it down a little bit? Like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to. Who, who's your audience? <laughs> like, who, 
Yeah, can can we just go back to like Fred trying to sneak out and go bowling? Right. He told Wilma he'd go to the opera. Hey, I mean, you that's, could, what, that's funny. You could have done a whole movie on that, and it would have been a really funny, like you know, a day in the life of the Flintstones movie. And I mm-hmm. that would have been better. Instead, they just do this whole like he's being seduced by his new secretary, and you know, his new boss is trying to steal all the money. I'm like. This is the Flintstones. It's something kids have watched forever. What are you doing? Like, who is supposed to go see this movie? Yeah, I guess so. That's it. I mean, you can either take something that was a comedy and you can make keep it a comedy, but maybe not try to do it in a modern comedy. Don't take, like, Flintstones and take the old characters, but give them a modern comedy gimmick, yeah. I guess, that doesn't necessarily work. And definitely don't take something that was supposed to be serious or supposed to be drama, supposed to be taken seriously anyway, and turn it into a comedy. Right. Uh, it's very weird. And, you know, just jump back, kind of finish off kind of where we started was, you know, kind of like The Lost in Space is in the first couple of seasons of The Lost in Space, the series, it was campy, but it was still kind of supposed to be more of a, a serious science fiction. Yeah. And then it just goes off the deep end and they introduce uh, the 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 uh, Dr. Smith and the your creature of the week and mm-hmm. the, the giant carrot that tries to kill him and it just gets cornier and cornier and becomes a real kids show versus a family program it turns into a kids show and when they did the film they backed all that off and actually tried to make a kind of a tense drama on it yeah interesting didn't really work but an interesting take. I don't know if I necessarily agree that that should be the way to go either. I don't think you should take a kid show and try to turn it into a tense drama. Right. I don't think you should take dramas and try to turn them into, you know, laugh a minute comedies. I, if you're going to do it, just continue on. I think those hold up the best, like the Adams family, mm-hmm. like, uh, like, well, Brady Bunch did a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, there, there is a formula that does work. I mean, we've seen it. Yeah. It just seems like it's a formula that's been lost. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Um, and I think you could even enter into the whole, if it becomes a formula, then it just becomes this repeating formula of, well, we've seen this already. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's, it's, I think it's kind of more like happy accidents. Like, you know, we can explain why the Brady Bunch movie works so well, but I don't necessarily know if anyone could duplicate it. Right. I think that's that's kind of that gray. And so I think everyone's just trying these different things, hoping they'll duplicate. It's like, well, that mm-hmm. didn't work, and that didn't work. Well, that one actually kind of worked. <laughs> yeah, I'm amazed that it hasn't happened, and I'm so thankful that it hasn't, is that there hasn't been an actual, like, reimagining a la Brady Bunch with, like, Gilligan's Island. I can only yeah. imagine how stupid they would make mm-hmm. those people and that script right? to keep these people, you know— why can't you fix the boat when you can create batteries for the right. you know, for the, or do create, the radio batteries never die? The radio batteries <laughs> never die. You can create all this stuff and you can't fix the boat. Why well, they you, would? What explanation they would come up with that for? The boat would have to be obliterated. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, something. I don't know what they would they do, but I I just I'm amazed it hasn't happened. I don't know why it hasn't happened. Thank God, you know, Sherwood Schwartz is, you know, a state or whatever said, okay, Brady Bunch, that's fine, but you're not taking Gilligan. <laughs> right. 
and and it would all you could see like what direction they were going. Would we make this more family friendly, or, or would there be like a few sex scenes with like you know ginger and all? Yeah, of that? yeah, exactly. The the few times where ginger was happened in a series all the time where she tried to sweet talk Gilligan or whatever. Like I don't even want to know what they would do today. <laughs> Gilligan's Island does not need news scenes, right? <laughs> There's a studio exec who disagrees with you. <laughs> I'm sure. Good conversation. This actually turned a lot of fun. We've actually gone a gone a little little over maybe. Maybe we'll have to um pick a couple of the films that, you know, maybe one or the other hasn't seen and and, and watch. Definitely. Uh, maybe uh maybe I'll do the jump street. Okay. Well maybe we'll watch Jump Street. I haven't seen that one and uh maybe you can do A Team or you pick- I'll do A Team, yeah. yeah. I'll okay. be done with that. We'll do A Team and Jump Street. That'll okay. be our next couple episodes. That Great. should be fun. Because those are two of shows. I mean, they're coming out about the same time, uh-huh. um, television wise. So, see, uh, and then they um, come out about the same time, relatively the same time in the film uh, world, too. So, that'd actually be kind of fun. So, that's going to do it. Any feedback or anything, just send it to all that contact information I mentioned before, uh, to Facebook group and all that good stuff. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye, everybody. <laughs>